Welcome to this week's podcast by Celebration Church Rarotonga. We believe this message will empower and equip you to live a life of breakthrough. Thanks for joining us. I'm going to continue on from last week's message. Basically, if you want to know what God is doing, He wants, he wants our heart. If we could simplify everything right back, and I like to simplify things back, that's essentially what God is doing. He wants your heart. He wants your soul. He wants to be number one. And uh, He is number one. We understand that. We've taught about what that actually means, seeking first the kingdom of God. But really, God wants to be number one of our lives. That's where He fits. And that's your best fit, is to have Him as number one. And you'll never be satisfied. You'll never be happy. You'll never be at peace until he is positioned as number one. This number one in the area of the finances, because the finances reveal a lot about who we are. It's number one in terms of our attitudes towards other people, because our attitudes to other people reveal a lot about who we are. It's number one in terms of our time. Number one in terms of our priorities. Uh, number one in terms of our mental occupation, because you may not busy, be busy practically, but you might have a lot on your mind. But God is centered, and life is to center. Everything is to center around Jesus Christ. And the church, how can you tell a church if it's the real thing? It has to be centered not just around the principles of the Word of God, but it has to be centered around the person of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes around our life and inside our life as born-again Christians. So when we give our life to Jesus, essentially the Holy Spirit from that time in indwells us. And what He does, He's a helper. He's what the Bible says is is an enabler. So He empowers us to do life successfully and to have a great attitude about it. He empowers us to overcome sin. He empowers us to forgive. He empowers us with incredible, a thing called might internal strength and fortitude. We can go the distance. We can go regardless of the persecution, the ridicule, the trials, the light afflictions, the temptations, all of that. And we can go through that without having a reaction, without feeling fragile on the inside, without getting feeling like we've been defeated or feeling like uh, my life has been rattled, my life has been uh, shaken about. And, uh, and so what the Lord is doing in our midst, He's doing a thing, He wants our heart, He's coming in repentance. Repentance is a really interesting word um, because He wants in, He wants in. And when you said, Lord, I surrender, God took you at your word. When Jonathan said, I surrender all, I give everything over to you, Father, then the Lord is a covenant player. He doesn't break covenant. Then he took me at my word and began to chip away all those peripherals, all those things, and he still is in the process of of doing these things so he can form the image of Christ inside of me. That what shines out of me isn't Jonathan or Jonathan's uh, personality. What you're now seeing is, is, is me, but you're seeing Christ through me, the hope of all glory. And that's what the world, the world doesn't want another person. It really doesn't want it actually looking indirectly. It's indirectly looking for Christ. It doesn't know that in its, uh, its blind manner, if you like. The world is actually looking for love. It's looking for Christ. Christ is love. The world is looking for peace. We talk constantly about world peace. It's just an incredible narrative around the world. And it's like the, the trendy buzzword to say is we want peace. But the reality of it is everybody's fighting to have tranquility and peace on their inside. We'll find it. Maybe we'll find it in a nightclub. 
or find it through, uh, through earning more money or, or higher education or, or equipping our mind with uh, um, different things or, or, or claiming more materials. We'll try and find peace like that or maybe you might be finding it in the addiction area or the sexual area. But let me tell you this, it doesn't work. Those, uh, there are things that have to be in context and uh, God has created some things good, and there are some things we know aren't good. But God, is, God wants into our heart, and what He does, He actually assists us. And here's the good news. The Bible said it's the goodness of God that leads us into repentance. So He helps Jonathan. He helps me to want to turn away from attitudes. Uh, for he, he helps me to want to turn away from selfish, self-seeking. Uh, he, he helps me want to turn away from, from my carnal, fleshly life. And, and it's an everyday pursuit. And the more I say, yes, Lord, the more Christ begins over a period of time through His Spirit to be formed inside of me. And the other thing, do you know what God wants to do? He wants to help us in our thinking, that we actually think right. That because not every thought that comes to our mind is of God. Not every thought that comes of our mind is actually engineered by you. There are other forces the Bible talks about that actually there are spirit powers that are very real in Rarotonga and New Zealand and Australia, the Western world, around the globe that actually begin to impact thinking. It's amazing what people actually believe. Concepts and ideologies and thoughts and philosophies, it's incredible. But these thoughts come to our mind and we buy in and we, we think this is a good idea and, and this is a good thought and a good thought pattern. But God wants to break much of what we think and actually begin to help us to see the world how He sees it. Help us to see business through God's eyes. That we'd see money through God's context, through His lens. We would view the church, what, through media, through Hollywood? No, through his eyes. We would see sexuality through God's eyes, marriage through God's eyes. We would see the principles of authority, what, through hurt, rejection, or mistrust? No, no, no. God wants to heal us, so we begin to see it through his eyes. So if you're being convicted of sin, uh, that's a good thing. Uh, I got convicted. My, one of my family members uh, held me up this week on some things. It was a blind spot. And I said, yep, you're right. And I've made an adjustment already. So far, I've had victory. Only 24 hours. <laughs> and, uh, but it's good. Nobody's an island to themselves. Nobody is beyond correction. None of us are. And uh, when, when we become uh, a little bit like that, we actually push out. We get stuck. We become grumpy as we get older. Well, but we get stuck on the inside. Now, let me throw this. Can Christians be in bondage? Whew. We can be. Totally. Uh, I like what one guy says. He talks about uh, the Pharisees. Talking about Abraham. You know, the scripture says, Ye shall know the truth, your truth shall set you free. In there, uh, they're talking about the, the Pharisees talking with Jesus, and then, Jesus, and then this is what they said. They said, we are not in bondage. We are children of Abraham. Now, I've got to capture this. This is what they're saying. We are children of Abraham. We are not in bondage. The amazing thing like that, if they read the Bible, then Israel was in bondage, all right, 400 years under the slavery of Egypt. So why would you say we're not in bondage? And it's the same thing. They were, when that was said, they were under bondage, under the oppressive regime by Rome. And this is what pride does. 
Pride says, I'm okay. Pride puts its chest out a little bit and says, oh, no, I'm, I'm very spiritual. And I've got it all together and I don't need correction. I don't need an adjustment. I've got it all together. Well, let's see what God says. We'll give you over to the Lord. And uh, you know what I mean? But God wants in. And it's a great place. So if, if the Lord is working on you and chipping on you and uh, knocking on your door in, a, in an area, that's a great place. It's, it's when we begin to actually lock him out and he's on the outside, that's danger zone. All right, that's danger zone. Now, repentance, we understand it's twofold. It's change of thinking. It's change of activity. That's what it is. It's a U-turn. Going one way and going the other way now. Uh, it's a change of thinking. I'm no longer going to do this anymore. I've changed my, my ideas about it. This is wrong. Uh, this needs an adjustment. Uh, this is where things need to change. It's in the mind, and it's also in the action. The outworking has to be in the action or, uh, uh, as well. Okay. 2 Corinthians 7, 9. Now, I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. Okay, so your sorrow led to repentance, for you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. You ready for this? Verse 10 is important. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world. So we're talking about two different sorrows. Produces death. So there's a sorrow, like a remorse, feeling sorrow, because I got caught feeling sorrow because it's going to be bad on me versus there is a godly sorrow. And the Bible talks about here, he observes it, Paul does, and it actually produces repentance. And what we're seeing today is emotions will come up the front. And I, I'm just going to be honest with you. Emotions come up, we feel bad, we've got into pornography, and, or we've got into, you know, I don't know, we're, we're doing something wrong, or maybe our attitude or whatever, and we know it's wrong, and God is kind of convicting on us. But we haven't come to the place, you ready for this, where we know it's bad before God. That's the difference. Because worldly sorrow is I got caught and I feel ashamed and I feel embarrassed. Uh, worldly sorrow is like an internal reformation. It's like a reform that says, oh, I will give up smoking because it's bad for my health. Or I'll give up drinking because my, my parents or my family, it hasn't been good on my family. That's personal betterment. But it's still not godly sorrow. Godly sorrow is this, is that I committed sexual morality and I ripped a girl off and therefore I'm so sorry I ruined her life and, and I pray for her salvation. Forgive me, Lord, like David said. I'm used that as illustration, uh, um, hypothetically. But it's this, is that I have sinned against you and you alone, God. And so what happens is this, is that in a crowd dynamic like this, we can sort of, oh, I'm really sorry, but no, Sorrow is this sorrow is godly sorrow is produced, bring forth fruit worthy of repentance. The outworking of the sorrow is the change of heart. Ready for this? Another way of saying it the outworking of that sorrow and emotion is gone deeper so that we actually change what we are doing. So if I go back to my smoking after I've come to an altar call, and I say this respectfully, not to condemn people. Uh, my dad smoked 80 cigarettes a day. God did set him free from that. But I just use that as an illustration that we could probably identify with. Let's say a, a smoker comes out here. Oh, I'm sorry, Lord, I feel really bad and, uh, and stuff. And I understand about breaking addictions. It's a different thing. And it's kind of, but next week we're back into it again. 
or pornography. I'll, I'll, I'll knock on that door a little bit and, oh, I'm sorry, I feel really guilt-ridden. I feel ashamed. I know it's wrong and it's dishonorable and I feel really stink. I, I feel guilty. I, fe- I feel wrong. I feel bad. I feel shame. It's still about me, you see. Rather than, God, this is wrong. This is wrong. I've dishonored you. I put a bridge between you. I've offended you. That's repentance. That's called contrition. That's godly sorrow. And how you can know whether there's sorrow or not, whether there's repentance, is whether you go back into the fridge, (laughs) whether you go back or not, whether you go back into the drink, whether you go back into the pornography, whether you go back into the language, whether you go back into the, the swearing and the profanity. That's how you can tell. Now, what God wants to do, you ready for this? He definitely wants to do two things. He wants to, or three things, he wants to bring repentance into the church. That's for sure. It's important. There are some people that have an attitude, and I think we're stubborn people by nature. We have this attitude that says, uh, don't tell me what to do. Now, I would never say that because we're brought up, hopefully, not to be rude. But that's what we feel. Cell leader begins to say, hey, uh, can I talk to you? And it's just like, immediately like this. You ever met somebody in a staff meeting and say, hey, can we talk? And I mean, how do you say that? Uh, look, we're going to just let everyone know we're going to have a few meetings, just help people, encourage people. There's your staff meeting. It's like a performance review. What do you do? Do you say, hey, I just, have you got five minutes? I want to talk to you immediately. It's like this. Yeah, sure. What is it about our, de- because it's self-preservation. It's don't knock my pride. Don't knock me. You talk to me, I'm going to feel a collapse on the inside. I'm so fragile. It's just like, oh, I'm going to go and we go home and we weep or we cry and, and whatever it is. But that's, it's, it's like this here, God wants to bring healing. So he wants to bring repentance. He wants to bring healing. And he wants to bring a deliverance into the church to set us free from bondages that have been going month after month, year after year that we've, we've struggled with. The law wants to break the shackles of it. Some of it relates to curses. He wants to iron out our theology, get rid of some of the concepts that aren't Bible-based, break them down so they're no longer a stronghold. So we think kingdom-like. We have a vision for the kingdom. We think kingdom-like. And then he wants to baptize us with power. The reason why the Holy Spirit is in you got saved the Holy Spirit entered you off the bat. You said that He sealed you with the Holy Spirit. About five scriptures tell us that the Holy Spirit entered you at the point of when you said, Lord, come into my life, please. You put your faith into Him. You repented of your sin. You said that of no one's sin at the time, Lord, forgive me. I want you to be Lord of my life. God took you at your word. He entered you. You may not have felt Him, but all of a sudden you're feeling uh, uh, you're no longer doing things and you are doing things that you wouldn't have normally done. You said, this is really foreign. It's like because the nature of Jesus is alive on the inside of us now. He's working and he's moving in us. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. And then uh, God wants to baptize and empower you with the Holy Spirit, which is external. This inside of you is for you. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he wants that for you. So the Holy Spirit can help you live righteously. The Holy Spirit can help you make great decisions. The Holy Spirit can speak to you and help direct your attitudes. The Holy Spirit can convict you when we're in untruth, when we're listening to something that's not even right, when we haven't checked the source and see that basically a group of people are gathered around criticizing the church on the internet and we listen to their stuff and all of a sudden we shut ourselves down from the Lord. That happens. That's a deceptive spirit and it's a seducing spirit getting around individuals to bring division. 
Then the next thing is this, is the Holy Spirit that's over us, the Holy Spirit that's over us like that is for other people. So the Holy Spirit's inside us for me. So the Holy Spirit inside me is for Jonathan, to help Jonathan to be righteous, to help me to make good decisions. Times of loneliness, he's there. He used to say, how can we be rejected if we're elected? He's there. Times of annoyance, he turns up, gives me perspective. Times of tiredness, he's there, gives me strength. Times of reading something, God begins to have me see with discernment what I should be reading and, and, and putting compassion. When I see the world, God helps me to see it through God's perspective. That's for me. Then this external one where God comes upon us. That's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit with clothes and tongues of fire, chapter two. That's for other people. So the Holy Spirit comes upon me, present to heal, and all of a sudden I'm feeling like Gus, I've got a word for you. I think I've got this word. Do you mind? Do you mind if I share this with you? And Gus says, yeah. And I said, hey, look, I, I feel God wants to really bless you. And I felt like for you guys, there's some, some God is doing something fresh in you guys. And there's a new level for you guys. There's a new blessing coming on you. And it's awesome. And this is what I feel like the Lord's saying. And he, and he says, oh, man, that's awesome because that's what Sophie and I have been just talking about. And it's like a witness, a confirmation. Or the Holy Spirit comes upon me and, and you come to me and you say, look, to be honest, I feel discouraged. I feel down. I feel like giving the, throwing the towel in and burning the towel. And then I say to you, okay, I'm, I'm full of something right now. I probably wouldn't say that. I might feel it. I might just start. <laughs> I'm full of something. I, I feel I love to pray for you. Because I've been energized, because the Bible says the Holy Spirit works inside us. The word work means to energize us. He gives us strength. Some of you parents need strength. When the kids come in, when the kids come in at half past 10, they want to talk. I was asleep at nine in my mind, still doing dishes and still doing stuff around the house. And it's like bang, bang, bang on the door. The door's always open, you know what I mean? They come in, can we talk? Yes. And so we talked for about 40 minutes. Sorry, kids, for embarrassing, but this is good. I was taught something by Nancy. She said, the time will come. And then, uh, you know, then another, uh, that's good. And we're talking to them about life and about stuff and about theology and about work and about all these good things of life. And then the other one comes in. And then the other one wants to talk. And then the other one wants to talk. You've had, you've got, it's, it's good if you've got a, a, um, 12 kids that are all competitive with each other. One kid wants to talk and it's two in the morning. Yeah, all the energy is zapped up. No, because the Holy Ghost is inside of you. You've got, you've got life for each one of them. It was actually Nancy Watkins said, said to me, she said, with Corey and Kelly, she said, the time will come with your kids. She said, this is gold time. They'll come in when they're teenagers. She said, they will talk to you. They'll sit on your bed there and they will talk about life and about things and they will open up. It's, it has to be past 11 o'clock. And they begin to open up after 11 o'clock and they tell you about what's going on in their world and it's awesome. And you sit there. She said, that's when you give it your best. She said, you know what? Because just like that, that season will go. Then the grandkids, they'll come running through, throwing, looking at the fridge. What have you got there? You got an ice cream? Different season, eh? Different, different. You know, you would have noticed it with your kids' time to talk and that sort of stuff. And then that goes. And uh, you can, I invite you guys, you can, still, you can still do that as you 
pursue your lives and that sort of stuff. If you're 30 years of age and I'm maybe 75, 80 years of age, you can still on the, the bear. That's no problem. There's an invitation. <laughs> I resist loneliness and rejection. And <laughs> hey, but this, this is good. But, but, you know, the Holy Spirit comes upon us and gives us energy as dads, gives us energy, you know what, to pray for our children. I mean, how many burdens can we carry? Have you ever thought about that? Do you carry people's burdens? Someone says to you, oh, mate, I'm really racked out about something, and it's just like, oh, it's a horrible thing. And they, they talk to you, and they gift you their emotion. <laughs> and now you're wearing it. So it's hard to know whether you should be positive or negative, but you've been trained to be positive, so you naturally wear it because you love people and you know you should. So you wear it and somebody else talks to you about something else. Then there's an incident. Then you've got a personal problem. And then something else. And then your wife comes home. Heavy day at work. And she wants to unload all the stuff on you and talk to you about her day. Her day. It's like the devil's day. The, the, the day of horror or the, the beginning of sorrows or something like this. This day comes around. She tells you and it's just like, but you know, because you prayed in the morning. Seriously? because you've been forgiven people and haven't got a whole trail of bitternesses, because you had not been proud and my time and, you know, when do I have my time and all this sort of stuff and get out the way I'm reading the newspaper uh, or I'm online, whatever it is, but because you've got something going on on the inside because you've met with him and the Lord said, I need you just to love people that much better, Jonathan. Oh, yes, Lord, help me. Help me. And then he puts more compassion. I, I cry pretty much every day. That is a confession. I, I don't know. I, got a, I don't know. I didn't used to be like that, but God is doing something. I think he's healing me, but I also think he's given me real compassion for other people. We're motivated and driven by love. And, uh, and so what happens is you hear all this sort of stuff about people's lives, but you're able to hold it and retain it without prejudice. Why? Because of him. So that anointing helps you live life. Helps you do marriage well. Huh, seriously. I mean, I think it's really hard doing marriage. You think about it, you've got a woman that's completely different from a man. They look different. <laughs> or they should do. But they, but, they, but they think about this. But they look different. They look different. And they think different. And they feel different. So we've got three dynamics going on in the home. And yet, the Bible says you're to be one. So that means I have to engraft a bit of Natasha into my life. That means she needs to engraft a bit of Jonathan into her life to be one. Eh? Okay, go through this. Luke 8, 11 and 16. Jesus said, this is God speaking. There are four hearts. One, two, three, four kinds of hearts. The three hearts haven't met Jesus yet. Not really. They haven't fully surrendered their hearts over to God. That's very important. We read it contextually. It's right. But the last one is, the last one's a genuine Christian. Okay, when I say genuine Christian, what do you do? Do you just be better, but well-behaved, and that makes you a genuine Christian? No, no. It, it, it's not so much. It's, it's about your heart. It's about how you've surrendered, what you've surrendered. Have you said, Lord, genuinely, and I'm struggling with sin, Lord, but genuinely, genuinely, please come in and sup with me. Take over my broken, shattered, my bitter my proud, my arrogant, my self-seeking, selfish ambition, me, my independent, rebellious life, Lord. Take over all the sins that I have done. Please nail them to your cross. Please, Lord, please. I surrender. I've got nothing to give you, Lord. What, am I going to give you money? Am I going to give you my, my influence? 
I've got nothing to give you, Lord. I come humbly before you. And Lord, please, I want to take up your life of righteousness. That's called the exchange at the cross. I want to take up your life. I want to take up your benevolence, your compassion, your joy, your peace. Father, please come into my life and sup with me and set up your dominion, your kingdom inside of me and live and breathe and have your being through me. That's it. Just give the Lord a hand. That's good. So Jesus comes on. He says to his disciples, now the parable explaining it to you, the seed that gets sown is the word. It's the Bible. It's this. Now I'm going to say this. Is you can try and get fruit. We talk about, you know what fruit is? Fruit, like uh, not um, mangoes and um, avocados or anything like that, bananas. No, no, no. We're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control that grows on the fruit of Christ. It's just a picture. So if there's no fruit like that, there's no root. If there's a root of Christ in you, it will naturally, you ready for this? It'll naturally produce the fruit. Now, here's the good news. You don't have to try and produce the fruit. There's no seminars. We don't run seminars on, we're going to a seminar on love. We're going to run a seminar, an encounter on gentleness or self-control center, a conference. We don't actually have to do that. Why? Because it's a natural overflow of Christ in you. It's very important. We've got to grasp this. So here's the thing. When the Word comes inside you, the Word, because the heart is good, produces the fruit. So simple. It's like this, because I've got a good heart and because I've got a right heart, when I meditate and read in the Word of God, it actually comes inside me, it produces the fruit. And we've been thinking, I need to try better to be loving or try better to be kind or try better to be self-control. I'm saying, no, give God your heart. So the heart is pliable. The heart is soft. The heart is no longer resistant. It's yielding fully to the things of God. And when the Word of God, you read the Word of God, the Word of God fits into your soul, fits into your spirit, and it produces the love. It produces It's a revelation. It's a shift in our thinking. Because we tell people, oh, you gotta do this and you gotta do that to be godly. It's so hard doing a this and a doing that to be godly. I've tried it a hundred times. It ain't working. But as I've said, God, the issue is not the trying to do this or the trying to do that. The issue is you and me. The issue, I don't really think I've surrendered it over to you. I'm struggling because it's still an issue. So I give it freely over to you. I humble myself for you. I give it over to you. And then God begins to put, it's like a good heart, good soil. And if there's a good heart, good soil that the Bible talks about, when you begin to get into the Word of God, the Word of God produces the fruit out of you. Uh, there's an Isaiah scripture, and it talks about the Word of God uh, sowing, sowing the Word of God, and it talks about the Word of God, it will not turn void, but it will accomplish what it pleases. The Word, the Zoe life, the breath of God, the life of God's in the spirit life is in His Word. You begin to put the Word inside you with cooperation with the life of the Holy Spirit, like, Holy Spirit, speak to me, show me about this Word, talk to me about it, it produces life. Otherwise, it's academic. Otherwise, it's intellectual. And we go banging people on the head. They didn't do this in church. Bang! 
Psalms 5.2. <laughs> Whoa, here comes Isaiah 54.7. Bang! Oh, it's horrible. And we've lost something. We've lost Jesus. It's mercy and truth. James said to me something this morning, and uh, he said, it's interesting because you get these little guys that, are, that can't get crowds. And uh, Daniel Kalender talked about it. He said, little guys, that, not little guys in stature, but guys in influence, they can't get crowds or they're not building crowds. He said, they get together. They're full of jealousy about what God's doing in Pentecostal circles around the world today. So they criticize them. And they say, this is why you shouldn't be watching this or shouldn't be listening to this. And then come on to our, uh, our, our, um, our podcast next week. We've got others. But none of them ever say, hey, these guys are wrong, and here's the reason why. We love them to bits. We've written to them, talked to them, spoken to them. This is the reason why theologically wrong. But here are churches you should go to in your area. Well, these would be good ones. No, it's all negative. It's a spirit behind it. I just thought I'd throw that out. Okay, now the parable of this, the seed is the word of God. Verse 12, those by the wayside, remember it's the path, are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes, can he? The devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Salvation. You look it up, it's not talking about saved from sin, it's talking about salvation in that sense. Lest they should be saved. Verse 13. But the ones on the rock, talking about the heart. It's just an analogy. It's just a metaphor, a picture, a rocky heart, a hardened heart. Have you ever spoken to somebody and you talk, talk to them about pedophiles and how shameful it is? And they say, I don't want to know about that. Okay? Or you talk to them about how bad the poverty on our nation? Oh, yeah, they should just get a job. Where is the empathy? Maybe some of them should get a job. But it's like you talk to th people about the cross of Calvary but for some people, you break on the inside. It's like, Jesus, 24-hour worship. They understand the Son of God. It's like, wow, God, you still did this 24-7. Still blown away about the Messiah and His glory coming to earth. Still shocked. Because we haven't seen the dimension that they have seen. We haven't seen Him in His fullness of glory. Most of us have just seen Him on a nail on a cross somewhere in Easter stories. But we've never had an encounter with the man off the cross, let alone the man on the cross, crucifixion. Rocky heart, and what it is, there's no compassion, there's no empathy, there's nothing breaking in our heart. Something's disturbed me. That's why I pray. I think I pray a lot. I pray a lot, and I pray for things. Things disturb me. Uh, the reason why they disturb me is because it disturbs the Holy Spirit inside of me. God is seeking a vessel to pray through. So I'll pray, Father, I pray into this country that this would happen. I pray for this prime minister. Lord, I pray for our government. I pray for people in our, I pray for our young, I pray for our children, Lord. I'm not even out there, but I pray. Why? Because of the Spirit of God inside. Compassion, you see, coming out. Cool. But those on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. Praise the Lord. Let me show you this. Oh, man. Yeah, I could do with a bit of a touch from Jesus. Excuse me, man. Let me ruffle out of here. I could do it. Excuse me. Oh, man. Oh, man. I can, I can come. Whoa, I know Jesus needs me, but get down there or whatever. What, I don't know what, how you do it. You might be like this. And then I never see you next week. What happened to all this, Billy? What happened to it? I'm not joking. 40 years. 
in the trade. 40 years in the church like this as a pastor, as a minister for many of these years. What happens? I have to be honest. This is church time, family time. But I, I wonder what happens. But it makes sense. There's a clue. Because the Bible says this, that it's a bit like the, the, uh, the uh, not the prodigal son, but like the rich young ruler. He said, I haven't, I haven't broken all these rules. I live morally upright. And then the Lord says, oh, good. The, Lord's, the Bible says the Lord loved him and asked him, would he come and follow him? Perhaps like a, a follower. <laughs> Do you know what he says? He said, I think you're lacking one thing. Go sell all that you have, because he could see perception, and give to the poor. The Bible says he was sad, sorrowful, because he was a young man of great wealth, and he walked away. Interesting enough, Jesus didn't walk after him. Not like some of us. Oh, oh hang on a moment. Oh, I'm sure we can adjust this as a Christian and uh, yeah, allow the grace of God to do that. And Come, 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 come back in. Uh, we hear you've got a bit of money, but uh, come back in. No, no, no. The Lord lets him go. The bar was raised. God didn't scrape after him. Rich young ruler, come. No, he let him go. This is Jesus meek and mild. Here we go. It grew up with a root. They believed for a while. For a while, for temporary, temporary faith. And in time of temptation, fall. Now, I'm going to throw this a little bit out here. I believe there are some people, and I have to be careful, as a, and I'm learning this as a pastor, not to say that people are saved. They come to the front and they give their life to Jesus Christ. It's great. But I need to be seeing the fruit that determines the root. What am I going to say? You're saved, buddy. I say you said the sinner's prayer. That is great. God knows your heart, son. And it, I, let me pray for you. And it's my heart that there's a, the power of the Spirit of God comes upon you. Because I hear pastors say this constantly, a lot. Our front door is good with people coming in, but our back door is tremendous. People just walking out all the time, coming in, getting saved, going. Well, the answer is this. Verse number 14. Now the ones that fell on the thorns, thorns is a heart are those who, when they have heard, go out and they're choked with the cares. Cares. Sitting in the church with burdens. Sitting in the church with cares. We've often taught it this way. Sitting in the church with cares and sitting in the church with, with our burdens like this. And the Bible says that they get, and the pleasures of life, the, the lust of life, the, the, the thing of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. We've just thought, oh, they gave their lives to Jesus but other stuff has got in the way and they're not producing fruit. Well, that's not how it should be read. If we have integrity to the Word of God and we want to speak the truth, which is critical as ministries, we do that, we have to go back and it says this, lest they should believe and be saved. This is to do with salvation. This is to do with hearts. Probably a good 70% of people in church circles aren't actually saved. have never really had a divine encounter with God. But we turn up to church because of culture, because of expectation, because of mates and friends, and we like the music and, and like the inspiration of a good word, but there's never been a heart transformation. Not really. Not really. And that's why we struggle to give finances. That's why we struggle to give sacrifice. 
That's why we struggle on a Saturday morning to come and, and do some of these chairs, putting other stuff rather than helping out. That's why we struggle to cross our neighbor's place and actually give in secret. And when we do do it, we want to tell people about it. No, no, no. God is interested in the heart of the church. Remember, he's coming back to the church without spot nor blemish. That's us. That's you. And, and I want to encourage you, man. You know, I, I, for me, my testimony, fought, I grew up in the church. And, and I would go up on altar calls. I'd listen to the music and, man, I'd you know, pray and I'd cry. Man, I was crying back then. I was born crying. I would go up on the altar call and cry. I'd go back next week. And I'd think, man, I'm still doing this stuff. I'm not even praying, no desire for the Word of God. I didn't want to go to church. It's all this. It sort of went, all of a sudden it went up and all of a sudden dropped. What's going on? I'd be invited to another camp. I'd turn up to another camp. All these young people, glamorous looking kids would turn up and there would be me again. I'd turn up to the altar call. One time I sat with a guy called Barry Kelvin. I said, what's wrong with me? Seriously, Barry, you're one of the leaders. I said, what's wrong with me? I said, I've looked, brought up in the Christian home. I've been up to church heaps of times. I've been up on the Avalon Baptist altar call and great church and that. I've been up in all these camps time and time and time again, weeping and making it a full of myself. But there's no change. Tonight, I will go back into the darkness and do what I've been doing every other night, no doubt. I can feel it coming on. But I thought I'd repented of that stuff. He didn't actually have an answer. Didn't have Barry, bless him. Didn't have an answer. He just said, oh, well, you know, I'm sure the Lord will sort it out. I said, you don't even care. <laughs> it's written here. Jesus understood it. There's the last guy, the soil man, the right heart. And it doesn't matter whether you're educated or uneducated, background, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether you've been to Bible school, not been to Bible school, brought up in the church, not been up in the church, doesn't make any difference. doesn't mean if you've been 30 years in the church. And this is my seat. Nobody seats in my seat. Not even the Lord. Seriously? No, no, it's not a, no, or, or, or somebody. Remember, because Jesus tells a parable. Everybody wanted all the big seats to that. And then finally someone stuck in the back, broken that. He said that, the Spirit of God's on that. That's the humble person. It's the flashy checks that go in and, oh, I've got to count my tires in front of James to show him how much God has blessed me this week and put it in there. Or it's the lady that gives little, but it's incredibly prominent and significant to her. And she does it in secret. You see, the way we judge things is so different from the way how God sees things. So different. But this is us. I hope it's us. And my prayer is this you. Verse 15. But the ones that fell on good ground are those who, having heard the word with a good heart, a noble and good heart, keep it, bear fruit with patience. That's what happens. The heart is so good. The heart is so right. It's a noble heart. It's a good heart. It's a softened heart before the Lord. It's a dedicated, it's a surrendered heart, a fully surrendered heart, a genuinely, because some people want heaven, but they don't want relationship with God. So we, we're, 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 we're pulling on the, hey, grace card, pulling on the, get me saved because I don't want to go to hell, but I don't want really relationship with Jesus because I want to do my own thing. I'm not ready to surrender my own life to Jesus right now. Are you part? Are you part of the remnant, I guess, part? Of, where's your soul? 
have an eternal heart, have a humble heart. Eternal heart basically sees things from God's eternity. I'm going to send my kids here, but I'm seeing now, what's the, what's the eternal life? What, what effect is it going to have? I'll put them in this school, what's the effect it's going to have? I'm going to marry this girl, what's the effect it's going to have? I'm going to get this job, Lord, what's the effect it's going to have? So everything I begin to do comes with eternal eyes. I'm not interested in hearing the rhetoric of the world. It's boring. It just goes around and it goes around and around and around with a new face. But it goes around and around. It's the same old thing. Same old programming. Rhetoric. I want to hear what God says. I want to hear. It's a kingdom perspective, a God perspective. And what are you saying? God says to the church, fear not, for I'm with you, says the Lord. He's not worried about the COVID virus. Do you think God's panicking in heaven? Let me get out there a little bit. Do you think God is worried? There are people that are Christians that are fearful that they're going to get COVID-19 or, I don't know, we're up to 21, 22. But, it's, but you, look, whether you take the vaccination, that be your choice. But let me say one word. Do it to honor God. The Bible says, whatever you do, word or deed, you do it that God be glorified, but do not be motivated by fear. Amen. Hey, uh, you're my friend. I'm your friend today. And I just, I just want to ask you, what's happening in your world? Have you fully surrendered? Has someone tried to speak into your life and you've just done the big rebuttal, big push away? Has God been knocking on your door and it's been like this, don't tell me what to do? Have you been ignoring Him? If you're honest enough, maybe to this morning, you're saying, no, I actually don't think. I've never really felt Him deeply on the inside. There's never really been an inside shift. I know about God. I can quote scriptures. I can tell you stories. But really, there's never been an internal shift that's brought about the change in my life. I've been brought up in a Christian context. I know the stuff. I've played. I've done this. But has there been a shift on the inside? Maybe you've taken religion because that's strong. It's the most attractive demon spirit is a spirit of religion. Maybe we've, we've, we've got this thing. And we, 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 no, but Holy Spirit, come, touch lives today. If, if you are, are struggling with stuff, ask God for a good heart. Ask the Lord, give me a new heart, a soft heart. Give me a right heart. Help me to let go. Help me to forgive. If that's my heart needs to be changed, I'm going to ask you in a moment to come up. This is a prayer I'm praying because it changed my heart. This morning I'm out there praying and Jesus, I ask that you would come. Please change, transform. Let there be a revolution in my heart. I want you to come and have your way. That's a scary thing really because it might mean some changes. It might mean that knock on the doors. Jonathan, I'm going to do this. Get ready for it. And it might mean that God sets us up for a little bit of surgery. Some of us don't think we've got pride. You wait till the Holy Spirit speaks to us. And here's like, it's like the, the, the sheet that looks really white until it's up against snow. And we realize, no man, we're just full of this stuff. We're full of jealousy, full of criticism, full of gossip, full of selfishness. And we wonder why the power isn't there, the anointing of God, the presence of the Lord, snuffing Him out. If that's you today, I want you to, I want you to just watch this before we close. If you say, Lord, I need a new heart. 
I'm going to get you to come up in just a moment. And maybe today you've come to the point you realize, I actually don't think, based on what Jesus is saying, I've crossed the line. I don't think I've really, this is about me. This is not about Him. This is supposed to be me living for Him. I thought it was about Him blessing me. I'm in it for me. No, no, no. If you've never fully surrendered your life over to Him, it might be the hardest, maybe one of my leaders, I don't know. Hardest decision we could make today could be that, but it'd be the best decision. As a pastor and as a friend, I'm gonna invite you in just a moment. If you say, Lord, I need you to soften my heart, produce the fruit. It's like my there's dry, barren fruit happening in my life. I want you, I invite you to change me on the inside. Others, if you said, no, I don't think I've really crossed the line with you, Lord. I've never fully surrendered. I want you to come today. Come to the foot of the cross and surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Let's stand in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord God. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. God, you're good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to subscribe and leave a review. We'd also love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Instagram or Facebook at Celebration Raro or visit our website celebration.atonga.com. Until next time.